Welcome back to Working Out the Inside. Today's episode is called The Poison Well. Verbal abuse, boundary setting, and dealing with difficult people. And one of the things we're going to look at is, where is that line between someone being difficult, annoying, aggressive, and someone being flat-out abusive? If you remember the band The Smiths, uh, the singer Marcy had a lyric where he said, In my life, why do I give valuable time to people who don't care if I live or die? Why do I smile at people I'd much rather kick in the eye? It's a good question, and I want to plead guilty. I think a lot of us, when we look back, we realize that we have given precious time and energy and love and support to people who don't have our best interests at heart, to put it mildly, and who are even abusive at times. And one thing, one reason I want to talk about verbal abuse, and I'm, I'm grateful to uh, one of our listeners, and for raising the topic and, and suggesting it, is that there's been tremendous emphasis on physical abuse. And that's very necessary and very welcome, so that now uh, people know that physical abuse in a relationship is absolutely not to be tolerated, and it must be prosecuted, it must be rooted out, it must be treated, and that's all to the good. But there has been somewhat of a lessening of the importance of verbal abuse, so that I hear from clients, from friends, the following. Well, it you know, so-and-so is, is not so bad. They're not physically abusive. It's just verbal abuse, as if that is not wounding. Well, we know that, that trauma psychologically means a wounding, a deep wounding. And words are often extremely wounding. I have had people say to me who have suffered both physical and verbal abuse that the wounds from the verbal abuse were longer lasting and more difficult to deal with than the, the wounds of the physical abuse. And so we have to consider and elevate and remember that this pain from verbal abuse is very real and occurs in settings that sometimes are not stereotypical. Uh, that where we don't see it coming and we assume, well, we're in a civilized place and with, with good people and this can't happen here, and we know that it can. One of the things that we see in the news a great deal lately is the term gaslighting taken from an old movie. And that term means where the abuser makes you believe that you're the problem. It's a deep and continual manipulation where someone, instead of taking responsibility for his or her own actions, puts it all on you. And this is characteristic of abusers in general. They chronically cannot take responsibility for their actions. They need someone to blame. And the people they blame are often the people most handy to them whether at home, at work, the people that they feel they can kind of scope out, uh, see the vulnerabilities, 
and take advantage of those vulnerabilities. Uh, so let's look at some rules about avoiding this kind of abuse, how to deal with it, where it comes from. And number one on our set of rules is it does not matter who abuses you. It could be a parent, a child, a spouse, a coworker, a friend, a boss. Uh, this is often when we don't expect it. We feel safe. We feel we know these people. And one of the things that I'm glad to see, for example, uh, I was talking the other day with a colleague who was wondering, uh, does the local domestic violence uh, uh, treatment clinic uh, also consider that children could abuse parents? Could adolescents also be verbally or physically abusive, uh, not just a parent to a child, but a child to a parent? And the answer is yes. Uh, we have to consider that this can come from anywhere, and we're often more likely to make excuses, myself included, when it's someone we care about, someone we love, someone we feel safe with. So when it starts, uh, we, we're often very vulnerable to it. So remember, it does not matter who abuses you. No one gets a special category. No one is allowed to cross that line. Number two, much abuse is projection. Someone taking out his or her own lack of joy, lack of self-esteem, lack of peace on you. There's an old Randy Newman song called, I Just Want You to Hurt Like I Do. And sadly, that is true for a lot of people. They may seem on the outside to be quite self-confident, quite egotistical even, but that's a shallow ego. That's not a healthy ego. And they take out their bitterness, their own sense of failure on others. Uh, number three, most abusers don't really know you. Many times people say, well, well, this person is so close to me. They, they must know and they try to figure out. What is wrong with me? What did I do to invite this abuse? I must have done something. Uh, no, you're convenient. They would just as likely take out their own pain on whoever else is handy. And you are very unlikely to be the only person that they are going after. For them to know the real you, they would have to be truly open and interested, but often they're wrapped up in their own misery, their own self-doubt. So we have to depersonalize a lot of this abuse. Uh, instead of endlessly picking ourselves apart, we have to say anyone that would be abusive to me is not really interested in knowing me. They're interested in attacking or pushing me away or blaming me, but they don't really want to connect with me. Number four, happy people don't waste their time trashing others. I'm talking about truly happy, secure, self-actualized people are not wasting their time with that. They are supportive. They're encouraging. They celebrate others. 
trolls, and we hear that term again in um, the news, people who online viciously attack others, uh, often uh, hiding behind anonymity, but sometimes not, sometimes just coming right out and, and actually being themselves and viciously going after people. They live for attention. As one client put it to me years ago, you guys just don't understand. Negative attention is still attention. It's sad to think that these troll standards are so low. But uh, secure people do not seek to control or belittle others. They treasure and nourish and support. So, you know, there's a saying, don't read the comments online. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying to never read them. I hope you'll leave some comments uh, on, on our site, on iTunes or uh, on the web. But, and, and I will read them, I promise. But what that term means is that uh, you have to be selective. Many people are not offering uh, serious commentary and helpful commentary. They're just looking to attack someone. And if you start to feel that online, then you say, you know, it's not someone I can really deal with. Uh, if they want to be respectful and open and communicative, that's wonderful. But if they're just going to relentlessly trash me, then I don't need that. And I don't need to sit around and try to figure out why they're doing it. They're doing it for their own desperate need for attention. Now, narcissists, we hear that term a lot too. They love themselves with a shallow, unhealthy love. They're often mistaken for people who, who do really love themselves because they, they will constantly say how much they love themselves, how great they are, how wonderful they are. There's no humility to it. It's like Narcissus gazing into the pool, seeing only his image. And narcissists love others with similarly unhealthy love. Don't be fooled by their seeming confidence. They aren't sure of themselves. They want to be sure you'll keep coming back for more punishment. They deeply fear abandonment, so they often push people away before that person can walk away. So in their mind, no, you didn't leave me. I pushed you away. Now, obviously, that's extremely unhealthy. And people who have this very deeply rooted fall under what we call access to disorders, personality disorders. I wish they would call them identity or self-disorders because personality seems, you know, it's like not strong enough a term. These are people with deeply fragmented and weak senses of self, sense of identity. And instead of seeking help in a healthy way, they impose their pain on those around them, whoever is available, Constructive criticism is welcome from others in our life. Destructive attacks are never, ever acceptable. So we are not talking about, you know, if you get any kind of criticism, any kind of um, commentary that you, you should run away. Of course not. The people that do truly love us and care about us have a lot to offer in critiquing us in a supportive way. 
But when, when you realize that it's simply ad hominem, attacking the person, uh, that's when you have to avoid coming back for more. That's where I use this term, the poison well. In rhetoric, poisoning the well is an ad hominem attack. You attack the person, not the argument. And much verbal abuse is like this. I will tear you down instead of actually engaging you in real healthy conversation. And that's one of the reasons it's so wounding, because you're looking to engage with a person about whatever the, the actual topic is, the actual issue. And they keep coming back at you with, you're nobody, you're terrible, you're the problem, you don't understand. And it's very disorienting if you can't step back from it and recognize it. And it's hard to step back when someone is coming after you like that, just as if they were coming after you physically. It's scary. It's disorienting. We have to learn how to step back and avoid these ad hominem attacks. Once you start to feel that it's more about you than it is what you're actually trying to discuss, that's when you know it's on a destructive path. So many times people will say to me, well, again, you know, I called this person or my mother or uh, someone in my life, and again, they trashed me. And you will often say, why do you keep going back to the poison? Well, because you're just going to get poisoned, and it's going to hurt you, damage you. And people say, but, you know, that's my mother or my friend or my spouse or whoever. And you say, it doesn't matter. Back to rule one. It doesn't matter who is targeting you. Uh, there's no excuse for it. Even with people you love, especially with people you love, draw the line at being targeted and hurt, damaged. It doesn't matter the reason why. Don't keep trying to figure out, you know, what is the reason this person keeps doing this? That's for their therapist. If they ever get a therapist, if they ever come for help, then it'll be up to that therapist and that person to figure out where this is coming from. That's not your job. You should not waste your time with that because they're not going to be honest with you most times. Uh, difficult people, we understand. Eccentric people, even annoying people, that's acceptable. You know, not everybody is going to be all sweetness and light. People are going to get on our nerves. That is just goes with the territory, right? But people who attack, and people who are also chronically unsupportive, meaning they are passively aggressive. They may not attack you in an obvious way, like coming directly at you, but they undermine you. They are not there for you when you need them. They're more subtle about their critique, but the same result happens it winds up being your fault all the time. You have to guard against that too, because not everybody is this stereotype of the raging maniac, you know, screaming at you, yelling at you. There are also people who try to undermine, saying that they're just trying to help you, and it's for your own benefit. But the problem is they're not really addressing the core issues. They're addressing why you need to take the blame. 
So don't make excuses. I've done it. We all have done it. But nothing gives someone the right to trash you. And when you excuse them, not only you're not helping yourself, you're not helping them because they're not getting better from this. Enabling abuse does not help the abuser. Quite the opposite. It only encourages them. And, you know, you don't owe them any kind of confrontation. Sometimes people say, well, I really you don't want to tell this person off. I want to challenge them. Well, that may be healthy. It may be okay if you do it in a secure setting like a therapist's office and there's a witness. And, you know, that, that could be a, a step in um, addressing the issue. But you're under no obligation to confront someone. And it often isn't safe. And I don't mean just physically safe, but they're going to double up on the verbal abuse if you confront them. So uh, do not feel obligated to do that. Another thing is, and I want to talk about therapists in this regard, there are therapists who browbeat their clients who are abusive. Now, now happily, this is very rare. I think most therapists are at even at the least, are trying to do a good job and trying to help people. And many are doing absolutely wonderful work. But we do have to say, uh, as we talked about the distant therapist in, in one of our previous podcasts, there's also the overbearing and uh, hack therapist who feels they have to manipulate their clients into getting better. And they're also on their own power trip. They're not in the profession for the right reasons. So if you feel in therapy that your therapist is taking advantage, is controlling, and that's a very serious and very damaging breach of trust, then you need to get out of there and find yourself someone who has compassion, who has empathy. Anyone that can't make their points with respect and compassion is not worthy of treating you. Look for empathy. Look for understanding. Now, rule number seven, create your own inner protective layer, your own backstop. That starts with strengthening your self-esteem. So we're not just going to put this on the other person and being wary about someone else. There are things you can do yourself to strengthen yourself, much as you would strengthen yourself physically if uh, you you felt, you know, I, I'm vulnerable in that regard. Uh, you absolutely can strengthen yourself psychologically. When you truly believe that you deserve better treatment, you will limit your contact with those who put you down. If you believe that you deserve, and many people do, believe that really the negative things are true, this person, well, they, they might be kind of hostile, but, you know, what they're saying, I, I guess it's true. I guess I really am not worthy and, you know, I'm this horrible person that causes all their problems. And, you know, that's, that's not what you deserve. And even when people come after us, that initial attack, it, it does hurt. But when you 
love yourself and respect yourself and cherish yourself, you rebound much, much faster and heal more quickly because you will be firmly convinced, you'll know in your head and your heart that you don't deserve such treatment. So it's very important that if you see a pattern where you are taken advantage of fairly regularly and you can't understand, you know, why am I attracting these people? It's not your fault. Abusers are often very good at sensing vulnerability and they swoop in and they take advantage of it. And so if you are, on the other hand, radiating a positive, healthy self-love, not a narcissistic self-love, but one based in real work in therapy, real self-actualization, real coming to terms with yourself, uh, not a shallow work, but a deep work, then you will have that layer of protection uh, where things will not go right to your core. Many people self-medicate because they don't feel they have that protective layer. They feel that they're incredibly vulnerable. And so they must put that layer artificially between themselves and the abuser. We want you to have that layer naturally, where it's something that's just organically a part of you. And number eight, loving someone does not mean you have a healthy relationship. Uh, if you're being abused, you need to set those boundaries. And just because someone... Uh, you may love them, they may love you. Uh, it doesn't mean the relationship is healthy. Those are two separate things. You can love someone, but know that you can't have a relationship with them. That the way they treat you is without respect. It's without dignity. It's simply to put you down. And... Uh, you know, don't wait until you've completed your own work. We were just talking about, you know, this idea of strengthening yourself. Part of that work along the way, not, the, not at the end, but during it, is to set boundaries with people. And sometimes that means leaving. Sometimes that means, you know, as we talked about in the previous podcast, about always having an exit strategy in any relationship of any kind even a business relationship, where you say, you know, I, I, I can't be bound to this. I have to have a way to get out in order for this to be healthy. Not that you're going to take that at the first sign of trouble, but if things get really bad and really destructive, you can step back from it, especially if that person won't get help with you, won't go with you to get good constructive help. Sometimes it just means lessening the contact. If it's someone you absolutely have to see in some way, that they, they're part of your life, you can't abandon this person, you can't get away from this person, then you at least can lessen the contact. Um, and again, if you do feel the need to confront the person, do it safely. Uh, but you're under no obligation to solve that person's problems. You can't cure their abusive ways. That's why therapists exist. Let them seek their own treatment. 
with so many other issues, people say they can't make the time or they don't believe anyone can really help them with these kind of psychological issues. But in any other area, they would seek expert help. You know, if they needed legal help, if they needed uh, strictly medical help, they wouldn't hesitate. But when it comes to these issues, partially it's the stigma, uh, partially it's a fear of really getting deeper into these things. Uh, you know, you don't have to be there. You cannot be that person's therapist. As much as you may care about them and see their suffering and see how they wallow in their own misery and want to help them get out of that, these are not happy or secure people. And you have to be very careful. You can absolutely suggest help to them, offer to, uh, in some cases, go with them to get that help, if that would be helpful, but be very careful. And remember, they often put on a big show of ego, try to intimidate because they feel weak inside and are terrified of people seeing who they really are. True narcissists have very tiny, healthy egos, very big, unhealthy egos. That's why they feel the need to say how wonderful they are, how great they are. People who truly believe that are usually pretty humble. They may say it or believe it, but they don't have to lord it over other people. Uh, so let's, let's remember, let's look back and summarize. Words wound, just as actions do. If you wouldn't take a physical beating from someone, don't tolerate a verbal pounding either. And if you recognize that you are having these tapes in your head where you've internalized these negative messages, and maybe it started with your abuser or maybe it started in your childhood, but you recognize, you know, I believe some of these things. I, I do think I'm unworthy. I do think I'm this terrible person. Then that's a sure sign that you deserve your own help for someone to try to undo and work through those negative tapes in your head. No one deserves to be abused. People deserve respect and deserve to have the boundaries respected. Uh, in an intimate or close relationship, you know, we, we don't expect in, in most of our more casual relationships or work relationships a kind of deep closeness. We just expect, look, just respect me. Just treat me like I'm a, a good co-worker. But in an intimate relationship, you deserve to be cherished, appreciated, celebrated, not tolerated, not, well, you know, you're okay, and, you know, that's not good enough. It really isn't. Uh, you, you deserve, you know, Whitman talked about, the poet Whitman said, I celebrate myself. And he celebrated all others in this encouraging and loving way. That spirit of truly, in a healthy way, being able to love yourself and be supportive of others is such a beautiful gift, such a wonderful thing. You deserve that gift. It's a gift you can give yourself by doing your own work, and it's also something that 
you have to expect from the people really close to you. If they haven't done that work and they're taking out their misery on you, it's time for a change. Now, some upcoming topics. Uh, I'm very pleased that people are suggesting topics. I, I hope you'll continue to do that. Uh, one topic I have been thinking about doing is about ADD, not in the medical way or the scientific or technical way, but just how do we usually see ADD come up, especially with kids, and what do we do um, when, we, when we encounter that? So that'll be an upcoming topic. Another wonderful listener suggestion was grief and loss. Absolutely a profound and uh, affecting topic. So thank you again so much for listening to this, and I hope that these podcasts are of some use to you in your life or to loved ones that you may ask to listen. And again, feel free to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean. Uh, it's free, and if you do uh, need a therapist or are looking for someone, our practice is located in Creskill, New Jersey. You uh, can find us on the internet. If you search for my name, it'll come up. And again, uh, thank you so much for listening today, and I look forward to talking to you in the next podcast. Thanks. <laughs>